Welcome to another edition of the More Sports Now podcast. And be sure to visit our site, moresportsnow.com. I'm Steve Titchener in our Jersey studio. And I'm joined on the line by our crew, veteran sportscaster Matt Lachlan and the host of the all-new quadcast, John McAlevey. And John, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last show, and we plan to, so we will, at the end of this show, talk about your new endeavor, your quadcast that you've put Thank together. You, Absolutely. I appreciate that. And uh, first, let's uh, let's turn our attention to this uh, the tragic events around uh, George Floyd and all the protests that are going on in the country. And uh, I, you know, I'd like to go to a statement from an iconic athlete, uh, Michael Jordan. He says, I'm deeply saddened, truly pained, and plain angry. I see and feel everyone's pain, outrage, and frustration. I stand with those who are calling out the ingrained racism and violence toward people of color in our country. We have had enough. And I'll I'll say this. There was a video uh, that I saw through the New York Times, about a nine-minute video, that went through the whole uh, situation right down to, uh, you know, George Floyd being choked. Uh, by this officer. And it was just tragic. I, I mean, it was just hard to watch. But if you, it, it, I recommend people seeing exactly what happened here. Because not only, I mean, when eight, eight plus minutes, this man had his knee on George Floyd's neck. And it was, regardless of the circumstances around it, regardless that they needed to be called uh, to this uh, uh, store, uh, and whether he was intoxicated or or, or what was surrounding it. Uh, the, the bottom line was, is that there, if you see the video, all these people are around that are, you know, and there's a couple angles with, with people filming it with their, with their phones. And they're all saying, get off his neck. And the guy is pleading. He's pleading very audible. You can see it very clearly. Please. He even said, please get off my neck. I can't breathe. So, I mean, if you watch that video, just, it's just so outrageous and you can understand uh, that outrage. Now, the protests and uh, getting out of hand and, you know, uh, the business is being damaged. Certainly can't condone any of that peaceful protests or, the, or what it should be moving forward. But, uh, the, it, you know, the, basically our, our, our country in many of our major cities is in flames. And it's, uh, it, it's, just a, it's just a tragedy. And, uh, you know, we got to, you know, as Jordan said, and, and it went on, but as, as Jordan said, you know, we've had enough. And I can certainly... Uh, and certainly empathize with that. Well, anyone who saw the video uh, realized that it went on far too long. The man was subdued. He was not going to cause a problem. Uh, the police officer, Derek Chauvin, who had his knee on his neck, uh, you know, was not going to yield until the ambulance showed up. His fellow officers, who have also been fired, just stood around. No one, no one tapped him on the shoulder and say, Hey, you know, we got this. The guy is, the guy is ours. He's subdued. His hands are behind his back. He's handcuffed. He submitted. So, uh, yeah, it is, it is horrifying. The video, no question about it. The length, just watching it as it goes on and on and on, it's gut wrenching. So there's, there's no justification for what that officer did. And so now we're faced once again with trying to rectify or at least talk about racial issues in this country. And I think the time is long overdue when we actually have to discuss it. Unfortunately, it comes at a time when America is as polarized as at least I can remember it being uh, over everything from whether coronavirus is a hoax to whether it's the worst thing we've ever seen, 
to whether CNN is fake news, but Fox News is real news. So I, I, I don't know how the conversation will begin, but it has to start because there is a real issue in this country, no question. Of course, the irony is that Jordan didn't, for the longest time, say anything about you know race in America. He's fam- famously known for Republicans by you know Nike sneakers too back in the day, yeah. and that was well mm-hmm. documented in in the most recent uh, you know ten episode documentary Last Dance. But nonetheless, uh, I think he speaks for a lot of people. So that video is so stomach churning that. I could only watch it once. I can't watch it uh, again because I, I almost hold the the three or four officers that were surrounding the the guy with the knee in his neck. I almost hold them more responsible than than that guy because I, I can't imagine it wasn't just one. There wasn't two. There was three. There were like four of them, and, and that they could look over there and see that happening and and not like say, "Hey, what are you doing?" What are we doing here? This man is on his back. I mean, yeah. this is this is stomach churning. I, I can't imagine if that if I were in that case and it was you and Steve or if it was my mother or my five, I'd go over and knock him over there. I mean, it was ridiculous. Listen, you can hear in my voice that it um 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 exercised by all this. So I I feel the pain. And listen, I I I don't feel the pain because I don't know what it's like to live in in other skin that I have, but. I mean, I can, and I'm with the protesters. The, the the fact that they want to go out and protest this systemic racism, I'm all for that 100%. It's where the other nonsense comes in that that people take advantage of of the situation that that has nothing to do with George Floyd. That just is anarchy and and people just trying to get over on the system that that happens that sort of hijacks what the real cause is, and and that's that this should not be happening in 2020 and it still is. And it's, it's scary. That, that, that film is scary. And to your point, John, and and with the other officers and why I think people need to see this video and what I didn't realize until I saw the video is all the people around them saying, get off his neck. There were people screaming at him to get off his neck. And the officers weren't uh, pointed toward Chauvin and, and Floyd. They're pointed the other way toward the crowd you know, put, you know, it was essentially pushing them away. So there was all this outrage too. So it was just, uh, just a, a tragic situation. It's unconscionable. And, yeah, I mean, and now, I, I can't, it, 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 you can't watch that and not think, what are these people not seeing here that this man is pleading for his life? At one point he was pleading for his mama. Right. I mean, he, uh, yes. It was, it was, it was so bad. I can't yeah. even look at it. It, it, is the tr- it just makes my blood boil and it scares me. It's a, it was a scary, crazy thing. And that, that other grown ups, these are grown, mature men didn't see this. And, and they're supposed to be working on behalf of the public and the public safety and the public yeah. good. I mean, it, it, it was beyond embarrassing and fired is one thing. They should all be charged with with, um, you know, assisting and abetting or whatever the term is, uh, you know, they have to be complicit in all this. I mean, they well, have David Chauvin was obviously uh, charged with murder, but the other three have not been yet. And there's a lot of questions about what's going to happen there. I want to take you to a tweet from uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, police chief David Roddy. And he said there is no need to put a knee on someone's neck for nine minutes. There is a need to do something. If you wear a badge and you don't have an issue with this, turn it in. 
And that's pretty direct and pretty clear. I think by and large, though, Matt, the police don't condone this at all. It, it was that outrageous. I know that my... No, I, I, I agree. There's, there's, there's no way most police officers thought this was a fair way of ending this involvement with the citizen with his death. No question about it. So I think that's the problem, too. We take the actions of some and we put them on all. And I'm not here to defend, and it's going to come out wrong if people don't hear what I'm saying. What I'm saying is let's get rid of the bad cops. Cops cannot mm-hmm. police themselves. We know there are bad cops. We know there are bad teachers. We know there are bad lawyers. We know there are bad everything in life. Get and, rid of the bad cops. Right. I cannot believe that in most police training academies, that method is shown to be the way to go. Right. I would say absolutely not. That being said, it happened. And um, I don't know the degree to uh, which this man, uh, the other, I guess, 17 times he's been called up on some charges. We don't seem to know the degree to which, uh, you know, those charges, uh, the, the severity of them. Uh, but how does a guy who's had that kind of history maintain a job? You tell me. Yeah. And I'll tell you, John, how many people are looking at how many cops are looking at that video and and saying to David Chauvin, man, what the hell are you doing? And you see it in a lot of the protests where the where the cops, the police are marching uh, with the protesters, obviously the peaceful uh, uh, protest. Unfortunately, there's a lot of protests that aren't peaceful. And, that, and, that, and that's a huge problem that came out of this. But, you know, as as Jordan said, uh, you know, a lot of people have had had enough. But you could see that that that, that a lot of cops are not going to turn around and say that, that, that what this guy did was OK. Well, it gives it gives them all a bad name. I mean, you you, you know, you people are going to generalize now and say that all cops are bad. Just to say, like, on, on the flip side, not all protesters are thugs and and you know opportunists and looters. It's just you know this one this one guy putting his knee in that guy's neck. Look what it's done. I mean, you put on the the news at nighttime, and you know I don't know whether I'm watching. You know, downtown Kabul burning or or Fallujah or I'm looking at St. Louis or Minneapolis. I mean, these are American cities that are on fire and there doesn't seem to be any answers Mm. coming from any of our politicians, whether it be on the local end of it with mayors and 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 governors who are just, you know, at some point telling the police just to back off. And in Minneapolis, they just gave up that precinct and let it burn. Yeah. To, uh, to the top where we're going to roll tanks and things like that through town. I mean, this is this is America. This is not, um, yeah. as I said, the Middle East. It's frightening. And then considerable hot problems in, in New York City. But let's go, Matt, to where you work in Newark. And actually, it's been um, it's been pretty impressive what uh, Ross Baraka has done there, where the where there's been very few instances of looting and, and problems in Newark, although there have been protests and, and Ras Baraka has gone out there and marched with the protesters. But Newark has been under control and Camden, for that matter. So the big cities in New Jersey have, for the most part, been under control and have had just effective, uh, peaceful protests, Matt. They have. And that's a credit to those who are exercising their First Amendment rights. Yeah. And so, you know, other cities, uh, it's been harder uh, to uh, to control 
the crowds and uh, how long does this go on? is the question in, in, in certain cities this this may go on for some time i know there was problems again last night so uh there there are cities and in minneapolis where it all happened uh it seems to be the the, the, the center of it and um it, it, there's been uh, just numerous problems there and you got to feel for these these business owners who are trying to protect their business think about this they, it's decimated uh, by the virus and the pandemic here and on top of that they got to protect their businesses um from possible looting and it's uh, it's just a, it's just a horrible um situation uh, all around and with that we'll turn to uh major league baseball uh, which is by no means a, a good situation now, uh, yeah. right? I mean, um, yeah. you would think with the situation, and I said this a few shows ago, guys, that, you know, and I was sure that they were going to make this a mess, and it, right, it is a mess. They're, they're, they're going back and forth. Uh, the players now have, have made a counteroffer to the owners. Uh, uh, the suggestion is 114 games starting June 30th. To October 31st, the original plan was for just a half a season, 82 games, 81 or 82 games. And now they're suggesting 114 games. And MLB's proposal, the players' salaries, or the original proposal was going to be $1.2 billion. The union's offer, the players' salaries would be $2.8 billion, and they'd get 70% of their salary. And of what you hear is that the meetings were contentious. That's just from sources, but there's no surprise because it's always been contentious with uh, the owners and the uh, the players' association with with baseball. And sure enough, with a hundred thousand plus, uh, you know, passed from this this horrible virus in our country and, and hurting considerably and wanting baseball back. Of course, uh, it just doesn't. This doesn't play well. And I'd said that, you know weeks ago on the show that they should get this done and matt so far they haven't no and i don't see that they will although it could suddenly turn around uh because there's a great risk that the season will not be played if this goes on for much longer and so then you have players not getting paid at all and then you have owners not collecting revenue so um I think, as I, I've said it all along as well, the, the distrust between the two sides, while it was kept under wraps for the last 15 years or so when there was labor peace, the fact of the matter is it was just masking what was always there. They don't trust each other. And the players, rightfully, don't trust the owners. The owners have never been forthright. Mm-hmm. And so it is hard to defend in this time people seemingly not wanting to come together over money when so many people are on unemployment and businesses have been decimated and you know New Jersey is an absolute mess but it was a mess before this happened this just finally exposed all the cracks and all the problems with what's going on in our state and God help us all, seriously, who live in New Jersey moving forward because we're going to be economically distressed for a long time. That being said, um, I I don't blame the players. Look, uh, they're taking a cut. What are they supposed to do? They have agreed to take a prorated cut. It's not like they said you have to pay us in full. They said if we play half a season, give us half our money. 
what more are they supposed to do? Well, here's here's the problem. Why are they supposed to reach out to the owners? Are the owners not supposed to have any pain? Yeah, you know, we don't know the balance sheet, and I've made this point before. I mean, look, I've owned my own business. I, I know what it means to make a payroll. I know that you know revenue has to come in and has to be more than your expenses, frankly. I mean, we have a business here with uh, more sports now, um, the LLC. So we... You know, we know the same thing that you have to you're, you're, you want your revenue to be more than your expenses. And there's your, so your are, profit. What are, so what are baseball's revenues? Well, he, that's well, Matt, that's the problem. I made that point last week. I don't know their balance sheet. And you're right there. They are forthright. We and the only time owners ever opened up their balance sheet fully mm-hmm. to players. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage you guys to read a book. It's a little dated now. It's probably 20 years old, maybe a little bit more, 25, core, called Lords of the Realm. Mm-hmm. John Hellyer wrote it. It's about the history of the union movement in baseball. And the only time that the baseball owners opened their books, this was in the early 90s, might have been late 80s, early 90s, they were all crying poverty. We can't make it. We're losing tons of money. And they kept claiming tons of money. We're losing, we're losing, we're losing. And they opened up the books. And the Players Association hired a guy by the name of George Knoll out of Stanford University, and he went through the books with a fine-tooth comb. And you know what he found out? Money was being hidden everywhere. Of course. I mean, yeah, with that. So, so it's never been open since because (laughs) the owners were shown to be bald-faced liars. They have a right to make a profit. They have a right to try to make the most money they can make. Mm -hmm. I don't begrudge anyone that. This is capitalism. Players have said they'll take a pay cut. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what are they supposed to do? Take more just because just because their talent makes it that they can make millions of dollars if they take half a paycheck. But does it make sense to, with the situation the way it is, does it make sense to ask for more games to get more money? I mean, you know. Oh, that's just the negotiating point. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what. owners are coming back saying, well, maybe we'll have a 50-game season. Right, okay. And, yeah, so the bottom, we can vilify either side and, I just think that they absolutely need to sit down and pick them, pick a number in the middle and get it done. I mean, I know that's easier said than done. 50%. I, I, I we'll just, play 50 games. We'll play half the season. We'll pay 50% of our salary. Owner said that's not good enough. Yeah. I mean, well then, and that was initially agreed upon. And so they pulled back on that uh, with the, uh, because of uh, their, the gate revenue that they're losing. And you're right. I I can't make a call either way, not knowing what the books look like. How are you supposed to do that? I mean, if they truly are in pain, if the owners truly are in pain and they're going to lose a huge amount of money, then prove it. Prove it. And and here's an example. Uh, And I don't know what the numbers are. These are made up numbers. The New York Mets ownership group uh, has a large interest in SNY. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. SNY presumably pays something to the New York Mets for the rights to do their games. That just makes business sense. You're moving it from one pocket to the other, but there are all sorts of tax reasons why you would want to do it that way, I'm sure. So the Mets say, well, we're not going to – it's a loss. We don't have games. SNY is not paying us whatever the figure is. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Meanwhile, SNY doesn't have a cost. Right. And the Mets ownership is benefiting from that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Money's not outflowing from SNY to the Mets because there aren't any games. Right. But the Mets are saying right. they don't have income. But then the Mets ownership is not distributing the money from their other pocket. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, guys, and there are thousands tell you the, of examples like that. Thousands of examples right. like that. Right. To tell you the truth, um, get, getting away from the negotiations and, you know, who's going to take a cut and who wants to play how many games and all of that stuff. As big a sports fan as I am, I have to tell you right now, I don't miss it. <laughs> I, I don't I don't miss the games as much as I would like to uh to think that I would be after all of this time being cooped up in the house with with really not too much on uh on the boob tube to watch. I don't miss baseball right now. And um I, I think the longer this goes on, the more and more they're gonna alienate folks. I mean, I can't tell you how many of my friends, they're young boys, they're all playing lacrosse. Nobody nobody they not only don't watch baseball. They don't play baseball. They don't even really know what a baseball looks like anymore. They better get their uh, their ducks in a row here, or else they might not only lose this season, but the collective bargaining agreement is up. I think it's next year, and and if their negotiations on that are going to go as well as this is going to go, you know, I was reading an article. Buster only said you could not only lose twenty twenty, but twenty twenty one as well. And then baseball will fall off the face of the earth in, in, in this, this country because no one will want to be a part of baseball or to watch it. Yeah, and currently in terms of you're not missing it, you know, look, it's a watered-down season. There's an asterisk, put two asterisks on it, you know. I mean, you know, half a season, what does that mean? Then not a, a, you, the Red Sox are going to stink. Yeah, you don't have a proper <laughs> spring training. I mean, is the baseball going to be awful, Matt, when they start? If they do start, because how, how important is spring training, right? I mean, if they're, you know, I mean, the, the pitchers won't even have the strike zone down. You know what I mean? It's so it, it seems like it, it, it's almost becoming a situation where it's a, it's a considerable reach. And I think that the, what's going to, what it's going to happen is if the, if the owners, I think the bottom line is the owners say, Hey, we're going to lose our shirt. It's not worth doing it. That would be the, the the biggest issue if they can co- find a middle ground and say, okay, this is worth doing, then we'll do it. I, I think that's what'll come down to. It'll be the if the owners say it, it's it'll be a, it'll be worse off for us to not have the season than to have it is really what it's going to come down to. So I think they're Matt going to make the call. The owners are going to make the call on, hey, can we do this and can we placate the players' union to a certain extent? and still make this worth it, or are we going to completely lose our shirt and we just can't do it? Um, Well, they have other means of support. Players generally don't. So to a large degree, they do have a hammer. Uh, They have other businesses, but this is a very big part of their portfolio. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they, they are reluctant to shut the season down for a lot of reasons. John, you, elucidated on those. The fact of the matter is they're not threatening to shut the season down. Now they won't do that now because even without fans, they're still going to make money. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. If you put those franchises up for sale today, every one of them would be bought. 
True. Smart people are not buying sports teams just to lose money. Mm -hmm. They make money. They will not make as much this year without fans. They won't make as much this year without merchandise sales. They will still make money. You don't see them going under. That's for sure. Uh, recently, in, in, in sports recently, you don't see them going under. I think it's because of all this TV revenue now that, that's exactly. flowing in. Because back in the day, remember, you did hear about, you know, franchise here and there, you know, the Montreal Expos or what have you being in, in trouble. Um, but uh, and other uh, organizations, perhaps, too. You always wonder about the Tampa Bay Rays. How do they get it, get it done? But, you know, listen, the, with, with, with TV revenue now. Um, a Miami Marlins. You're just talking about they're they're a mess. They're so Derek Jeter f- bought the Miami Marlins. <laughs> for, a franchise yeah, that hey, Rod, and that and are going to buy the Mets, huh? Well, exactly. Well, I, that's what that, we're hearing. That's the rumor. I don't think that's the case. I think, I, I'm, I'm still saying Steve Cohen is going to come in late. I still think that the A Rod J Lo um, courtship is all to get Steve Cohen to say. No way I'm losing this ass, potentially losing right. this asset. Uh, and inside, outside, called it all off. I think in the end, it's deployed to kind of get him back to the table and maybe increase his offer a little bit. We'll see. But my point is, you're right. But how Miami fun would that be? Yeah. You know what? Win. I don't care who owns my team. Win. If you don't win, then, you know. But you you, you, you yeah, called you called out the will ponds a number of times. So the will ponds must go is is, is still your uh, still what you're saying, huh, Matt? I think every Met fan is saying that. Yeah, for, for, show me the Met fan who's saying they should stay. Yeah, I'm well. Listen, the, the results speak for themselves. The results speak for themselves. There's no doubt. Uh, but Steve, so I'll never forget. Yeah. Uh, um, years ago, I was up in my room. I'll never forget it. My dad yells up the stairs. He had, uh, I guess he had had the radio on. He said, John, the Red Sox are up for sale. John Harrington and the, and the trust there, they're putting the Red Sox up for sale. And I just remember all that I could think in my head was ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. I was singing that song and look yeah. what it did for us. John I had, hope the Met fans, John I Henry, hope that they get yeah. new owners. They'll have some new life, some new blood, some new vision. I mean, God, get away from that. Get out from under the shackles. John Henry's group buys them, and they will look. They got four rings just from, uh, oh you know. Oh, my new- God. It was like I couldn't believe he said that. <laughs> it was like he had said we had won the lottery or something. It was like, oh, please. And- some new blood, some new some new vision. Listen, I know the Wilpons spend money. It's not like they, yeah. you know, they don't hoard all of it. They have spent money over the years. They were, they were just in a World Series four years ago, three, four years ago. But – they need something where the fans can can feel good about their owners and their and the vision that there's there. And let's hope that that winds up being the case. And John, speaking of the Red Sox, thank you for that picture of Jim Rice going into the stands when that little boy was hit by a line drive and uh, taking him into the clubhouse. And uh, and then the trainers took care of him and then the, the ambulance took him right out. You know, the family still believes that the, that Jim Rice saved that little boy's life. He actually was in the hospital for almost a week recovering from that. And uh, you know, it was a Steve, great it was a great picture. Where'd you find that? It, it came up on my Twitter feed. It happened on this day all the way back in 1982. <laughs> and, you know, for, for a lot of years, Rice has had been maligned as a surly guy yeah. and, a, and a 
you know, a bad apple. He just didn't like the guy. press. He didn't like to talk to reporters. That's what it was. He wasn't he was a bad just guy. He was a quiet guy. Yeah. I mean, listen, he was a big, imposing guy. And I'm sure as a reporter asking him a question, and if you looked at you funny or didn't want to answer it, then that was probably rather intimidating. And maybe he got, he, well, not maybe, he definitely got a reputation for being a hard guy. But, you know, I think his teammates would tell you, the owners would tell you, he's a good man. He's been good on the on the air for Nesson for all those years. Mm-hmm. He's just sort of, a, you know, just a quiet guy and yeah. wanted to go about doing his business. But when he saw a need, he jumped into the stands. And as you said, that poor little boy back in, you know, the, the early 80s with, with, you know, not having the facilities that we do now, God knows that young man could have died. Sure, sure. But he got instant uh, uh, medical attention and then, you know, was put in an ambulance right in the club through the clubhouse there. So that was, uh, you know, again, they they, they believe that um, it uh, it saved the boy's life. So and he was a family man, too. So uh, uh, just a nice story and a nice uh, memory, because I remember it well. I remember when it uh, uh, when it happened and all the pictures uh, uh, from that from that time. Uh, so, Matt, uh, do we have baseball? What's your gut on this? Are they going to figure this out? Yes. Okay. So I, I believe so, too. And apparently John is not holding his breath. That's where we're getting from you, Johnny, huh? No, I think that they will. But I just don't think that I'm going to be, to to coin a baseball phrase, I'm not going to be on the top step of the dugout waiting uh-huh. for them to come back. I uh I, uh, as I mentioned, you know, I don't think the Red Sox are going to be very good this year. They're sort of in a, in a rebuilding mode for a while. And, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I, I've been kind of baseball has been kind of going South with me anyway. It is so slow when you come away from all these other sports and, and, um, you know, everybody feuding over the almighty dollar. That's the way of the world. Right. But, uh, I think that they'll be back. As Matt said, there's just too much to lose on both ends. Football season's coming. Speaking of football, we got a Jersey story. Joe Flacco, a Super Bowl champion uh, with the, the Ravens, uh, signed uh, with the Jets as a, as a backup. So, uh, Jersey guy coming back uh, to Jersey, Matt. Yeah. I mean, he's there just to help Sam Darnold so they don't run into a situation where Darnold doesn't play as he did last year. And they have who's that at quarterback and they don't come close to winning a game. <laughs> you know, Flacco's not there to challenge him for the job. Um, you know, it's Darnold's uh, position and Flacco's there just to give them a, a reasonable backup. Should something happen to Sam, which has happened in his career. It's not like he's not missed games, but last year, I mean, my goodness, they had, you know, answers to trivia questions. Sadly for guys. I mean, again, I say this often, I have total respect for somebody who plays one game in a professional league because that means you're more talented than, you know, so many people who had aspirations. Uh, you've reached the pinnacle and then you get there and you're judged against your peers. So I get yeah. that. But my goodness gracious, the Jets had no chance with some of the guys they were rolling out there in those games last year. Yeah. And having a veteran presence in the locker room, one who has a Super Bowl ring is is absolutely going to help you, huh, John? Absolutely. Yeah, you need that. And, um, listen, the guy still has a howitzer of an arm. He's been, he's been healthy his most of his career. Um, and he's going to be a good guy to be in the, in the quarterback room with Sam Darnold to, to really get him going. Because let's face it, this is a huge year for Sam Darnold year three. He's got to, uh, you know, he's got to step up to the plate. He's got company across the, 
uh, across the stadium in uh, the Giants' young quarterback. And so they're going to be going back and forth for years and years over who's better and you know who's who who's improved in the off season, who hasn't improved. So it will be uh, it will be interesting to see if he can pick some pick up some lessons from uh, the grizzled veteran, Mister Flacco. Yeah, and he's a uh, Cherry Hill, Matt. Is it Cherry Hill area uh, that the uh, Flacco's from? Um, I think he's a little farther south, but yeah, okay. South Jersey. And I always found it interesting, you know, Delaware, Delaware. I mean, what is it? Uh, is it is it Division Two or is it a, a one? You know, whatever. It's it's a it's not a huge football school, but they they have good quarterbacks. I mean, Joe Flacco comes out of there. Also, Rich Gannon came from. Uh, from Delaware and had a hell of a run uh, with the Vikings and the uh, and the right Raiders where he went to a Super Bowl too. So that small small school down there has uh, produced some um, some pretty good uh, football players. And so, well, listen, we'll end the show, Johnny, with you uh, talking about your new project, which is called the Quadcast. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, Steve, I appreciate you bringing that up. It's actually an idea that I have been mulling around in my tiny little brain for for many moons now um and i guess it sort of dates back to when i got started working with you guys and and this whole um world of podcasting and you know picking up from you you both of you uh were kind enough to bring me aboard with you know just kind of seeing the equipment that you've had microphones and headphones and um it, it was something that i i thought that there was um an avenue for someone to bring folks from the disabled community on to tell stories that are not, you know, sad and and morbid, but, you know, stories that can be inspirational. I say it's, uh, I bill it as a 30-minute session of PT and OT for the soul um, because I like to bring somebody on that has a, a compelling story to tell that has not let their injury define them and that has been making, you know, some contributions to the community. And I think by the end of the 30 minutes, or it's been stretching sometimes to 45, almost 50 minutes, I think people will get that sense. And so, um, so far I've put out three episodes and I've gotten some really nice feedback, not only just from mom and my sister and you guys, my good friends, but uh, I've had folks reach out to me on Facebook that I don't know that that have ideas for shows that want to come on the show. Um, and so, so far, so good. It's just at this point now, um, you know, trying to continue to build the audience and see if I can uh, continue to pump out shows weekly. I don't know whether I'll have enough folks to be doing that right off the bat, but um, I'm hoping so. And, and so uh, thanks for, for the couple yeah. of minutes here to sort well, of give I, it a little life. I love the first show. Just tell us about some of the, some of the get, de- guests that you have coming up. Yeah. Well, I had Scott Chesney was my first guest. Yeah, I he was terrific. I wanted to have him first. I know Matt, you've had some experience with Scott in the past. He had an interesting story where, uh, he went to bed one night and woke up in the morning was, and was, um, yeah, it was you know, really feeling in his legs and it just seemed to continue on and on and on to the point that he became a uh, paraplegic. He had had, um, you know, a, a stroke in his spinal column. So he was my first guest, but as I told him, Scott doesn't let me grass grow under his wheels on his wheelchair. That guy is all over the place. He's been across the globe twice. He's a motivational speaker. He's, Oh, you can tell that. 
you, you could tell he's yeah. a motivational speaker because I'll tell you what, it was, it was inspiring. And I thought it was a, a terrific uh, first show. And uh, he, he Yeah, really, he's amazing. Then yeah. I, had, uh, I had Mikey Nichols on, as we all know, Mikey, from the Mikey Strong Hockey events. Um, and he's terrific and, and we're going to see if Mike can come on with us during the hockey season. And last week was more of a personal thing. I, I figure I always turn the tides on my guests and ask them questions that might not be all that comfortable. And I did it to myself and I brought on my first PT and OT came on with me from what will be 28 years this August. They were on with me last week and, uh, I'm, I'm putting some, uh, some things together for, uh, tomorrow's show. Um, I have a couple of different guests. I haven't, I haven't gotten a commitment, but I have two people on the hook. So be on the lookout for that. One, one is a, is a spiritual, uh, person who has a similar injury to mine, who has done, um, amazing work with, with, uh, folks that have been in our situation that does spiritual counseling is a Eucharistic minister, big in the church and whatnot. And another one is working with youth sports challenged athletes foundation i just found out about it he works with little kids in wheelchairs that just don't know that they're not little kids that can be playing sports and they take part in all of that so i think he'll be a good guest and so we're uh we're figuring that out right now but it should be another good one i hope well awesome uh, awesome effort there again i i've listened to the first episode so i got to catch up but uh but terrific stuff and, uh, and good job uh john so Thank um, you, Steve. You got him, man. Matt, uh, hockey, when when is the first game? When will we see hockey back? Yeah, the calendar, throw a dart. Oh, no. There's Nobody still, knows. Oh, there's not a set. said last week, the commissioner said anyone who, uh, I don't know if it was on this forum or some of the other outlets that I've been speaking on, but he said anyone who gives you a, a hard date is just guessing. Okay. Nobody knows. There's too many hurdles to cross. Uh, they're slowly allowing players to get together at their home sites, but players have scattered everywhere. I don't know how many guys stayed in New Jersey, cancel them probably or possibly just because the kids were still going to school. But then once that ended, then it was long distance. You could do that from Winnipeg or Massachusetts um, and check in online. So I don't know how many players stayed in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. There may be a bunch, but they'll be allowed to slowly get back. However, the Devils aren't going to play in this restart, so there's no real need for them to get back unless they just want something to do to skate. So those 24 teams are slowly getting back, and then yeah. if that's okay and that works and the Players Association is uh, satisfied that the testing will be proper, then they'll bring the teams back to practice, and if that goes well, uh, then they'll announce two places uh, in the continent where the East will go to one city and the West will go to another, and all those teams will play off and play in. It's a long, long, long process. Um, I'm glad that we're talking about it. I'm glad that we've moved forward to a degree, but for all of these sports, there's still so many issues. Um, yeah. And I'm curious as to you know, how much the players think that they're safe. Yeah, I, I'll say this, and and I'm not always locked into the Stanley Cup playoffs, only if there's a local uh, team in there. But I, I take it for granted. I miss it. 
I, and I, I want to see, and I want to see the playoffs. And then if there's a Stanley cup playoffs, I am, I will be locked in for sure. So I, I hope, I hope they come back. So I hope they, they, uh, they clear these hurdles and all the sports and make this happen. I want to see baseball well, too trying. with the asterisks. I, see I would say best estimate though. And that's all it is. is an estimate. If you're not looking to see games until getting close to mid late July. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, it's already it's really, we yeah. haven't even started practice yet. You have to give yeah. the guys three weeks or so to practice. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't have people come, you know, off of a layoff like this and just say, we're going to start to play games. Mm-hmm. So even if everything was cleared up today, mm-hmm. you know, and the players got together Monday to begin practicing. So through three weeks there, and that's the, the beginning of July. Right. Yeah, we're not close to that happening. So right. it's going to be a while. So no set time there. And we'll just have to wait. And, and, and that's for all these sports. And again, hope they all come back and, uh, and, uh, cause we, we miss them. And, uh, you know, there's only so much we can talk about, right guys. We just, uh, but we always figure out something and that will happen weekly here on moresportsnow.com. We'll keep coming at you with whatever sports we can, uh, we can get going, whatever sports news we can, uh, we can dig up for sure. And that's of course in the New Jersey, New York area. And if we have to go nationally, we'll, uh, we'll go nationally too. So if I can just step in here, Steve, yeah. Spring Lake, Opened up its boardwalk. <laughs> okay, because you are too many quote unquote random people don't show up at the Irish Riviera. I know you, <laughs> you were after them pretty good last week. We were laughing I about. I was closed. We listened to you. We were laughing about it at the at the at beach house. But uh, yes, they did. They did reopen it. So, uh, but they, I, from what I understand, they are going to limit their beach badge sales, which supposedly you're not. I don't know if you're supposed to, if you're allowed to do that. I don't know, but Belmar is not. So, uh, which is interesting. Uh, so you can go get a beach badge in, in Belmar season beach badge in Belmar. And all the people in yep. Spring Lake are saying, good, stay to the north. <laughs> stay stay in Belmar. <laughs> do not cross the border. Stay in Belmar. So exactly. And that'll do it for this week's podcast. Uh, check us out on Spotify, on iHeartRadio on iTunes, and of course, SoundCloud. You can find our show on all of those directories. And check us out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram as well. For Steve Kitchener, Matt Lachlan, and John McAlevey, we'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.